Hi there, this is Markus Schnitzler from the Space Lords and you're tuned in to Underground Opolis. everybody it is wednesday night at 7 p.m tell us who you are where you're from uh i'm jay drapes i'm michael fiero we uh grew up in the north bay of san francisco california uh-huh. uh, but then that state was just a bit on fire too much of the time so we decided to head uh-huh. out east uh-huh. <laughs> um we, we toured around the country a few different times found a home in missouri uh we're currently in springfield missouri uh, and we're going to be headed out your way for a tour starting tomorrow around noon yeah uh-huh. <laughs> Where are you at right now? Are you in Missouri? Am I mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I thought so. Springfield. I, and a garage in yeah. Springfield, to be, to be more exact. Jay's garage. Jay's garage. <laughs> Been there a couple years now, haven't you? Uh, sort of. Um, we were living here, and uh, we were on tour and happened to be in California when the first shelter-in-place order for the pandemic landed. Oh, So awesome. we got kind of <laughs> stuck there. Yeah. And we had, like, a house in Missouri, and we were living in California, it was it was quite an ordeal to resolve. Michael had to go on some crazy crusade to get our gear and close the house. And out. my yeah, my car was in Georgia because we <laughs> flew from there to California on tour. Everything was everywhere, and we accidentally yeah. we got relocated to California uh, again. Mm-hmm. Not no. not on purpose. Not on purpose. It not was an accident, purpose. and I got awful tired of it. Round two, um, and decided to head back um, out here to Missouri. And then I caught on fire again. Yeah, it just wow. keeps doing. It that. just keeps yeah. doing. That. Still got the van. Um, no. sort of, yeah. different, van. different, but van. that van that you remember, that original tour van, um, is actually in our friend group community here. Michael sold it off to one of our friends, uh, because we were downsizing a little bit. Yeah. We have a little sleeker, smaller green boy now. Uh-huh. I think I can, you know, maybe. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, we just got a, a little minivan now. Mm-hmm. We're going to. Facebook still, here. It's, it's oh, still I'm got sorry, a bed go in ahead. it. No, it's still got That's a bed it. in it, so we can still sleep <laughs> yeah. in a minivan. Yeah. It's a little bit better mileage. Tell me it's in a con line. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> if only. Yeah, right. Isn't that the standard tour van, the Econo line? Uh-huh. <laughs> Facebook viewer Michelle St. Hammond says, Hi, nice to see you again. It seems like it's been years. 
I mean, hell, she might be right. <laughs> you know, it might technically be in the years category. You know, it's been a minute. It was, since we've been out I think it's 2019 ladies. last time you were here, man. Yeah, it so had it was to right to me. Well, hey, year. Michelle, mwah, lovely to hear from you. Can't wait to see you in just a little bit here. Uh huh. <laughs> so, how did how did Snapster Centers come together? Ah, uh, oh. that was a time. Um, House shows. House yeah, shows. I was hosting house concerts, little underground house concerts. I, I was pissed at what, how, like, how the music industry was happening in Sonoma County. It was really uh, underwhelming how much they were paying their artists and how much they were asking their artists to do. And I was like, well, hell, I got a big living room. We could just have the show here and cut the middleman out and have ourselves a way better time. Uh-huh. Um, and that worked uh, really well consistently. I did that for seven-ish years. Uh-huh. Um, and it was in the second or third year of doing that that I booked one of Michael Fierro's bands. It was this just hot as shit punk trio. Uh, Michael was playing drums. There was a bass player and then a dude playing electric banjo. Um, yeah. And it was like White Stripes goes uh, Midwest. Yeah. Um, except bit. from California. And, and yeah, they just tore the house down. I was afraid the building was going to fall over from how hard people were dancing. Um, and I just saw that energy, that vibrant, deep, like rock and roll ethos. And I was like, oh, oh, I want that in my band. I, I want a band with that. Um, and uh, yeah, Michael just uh, killed it, you know, from behind the drum set. He was singing and belting it and people were singing along with songs, you know, they probably hadn't heard before. You know, I know I was. Um, so at the end of the show, um, the audience had just kind of like collapsed into a bit of a cuddle puddle in the middle of the living room. And like Michael was a few bodies away from me. And I was like, yo, I'm the host. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, can we do a band? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was that simple. Um, little did he know that I was laying a trap for him. Um, <laughs> none, of my, none, of my, none of my other bands ever played again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, I'm a jealous lover. <laughs> we just booked too many gigs so fast. We yeah. had more gigs than we had material. Like we, we had to write music quick and to to to, to get it all together in time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, deadlines really makes you work fast. <laughs> so we got content together and uh, we were gigging and gigging and gigging. We were under a different name back then uh, for the first couple of years, uh, but we decided that we wanted to do a national tour and rebrand ourselves a little bit. And we got our trio together, um, which was me, Fierro, and the fiddle player we were playing with at the time, Corwin. Um, and yeah, we nationally toured and we kicked some butts and we made a lot of friends and family along the way. And now, uh, yeah, just leaning into that. Who would you say was your, like, you saw somebody on a stage or, or on TV or whatever. And, and I, you'll, you'll have two different answers, I'm sure. But No, I don't think we will. <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah. who would you say that you saw? Was that type of influence, that inspiration? So you know what, I want to do that. Oh, I, want to, uh, I want to be that guy. We went to a show together. I think it was, I know it was, we're gonna say it on, on go. Like three, two, one. Real big fish. Uh, Eugene Hunts is what I was gonna say. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the time that we hung out together because I do think they're a better influence. But <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, Gogo Bordello. <laughs> if you ever heard of that band, it's a huge influence. And also ska, like Real Big Fish. Weirdly enough. We're not a ska band, we're not but a ska we band. love ska and the attitude of like everything sucks, but we're gonna have fun about it. And that ska has, like, I think it is something we stick with. Uh-huh. But yeah, you're totally right. It's definitely Eugene Hutz and yeah. Gogo Bordello. Yeah, it's gypsy punk is what they call themselves. They're a bunch of Ukrainian immigrants 
who just like go hardcore punk, but with these Ukrainian melodies and like fiddle riffs. And they spent a bunch of time in South America and learned about like tango and like Argentine folk music. And I, yeah, I That's love their, yeah, their world folk, but like hardcore punk rock ethos. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of fun. It's a sound we're, we're trying to build towards mm-hmm. once we get the other eight members back in the band. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing with our old band before it was officially Snaps for Sinners. We had a huge band. I think our record uh, on stage was 11 people. Yeah, we had a, um, we had a big band. We're going to have a Blues Brothers-style movie where we both wear sunglasses. And, and we go gather the band back around. together. <laughs> yeah, collect them. All in yeah. dramatic situations. Mm-hmm. Hopefully involving Aretha Franklin. Yeah, we'll see. There's, a, <laughs> there's another musician that we have in common um, that we saw separately before we knew each other. And it's uh, Josh Windmiller and the Crux. Uh-huh. Um, they were they were a local band in uh, Northern California that just really paved the way for a lot of groups. Great performance antics. Like they, they would act kind of like um, a snake oil salesman, like a preacher show, you know? And they would have musicians come up and be like, if you try my magic elixir, you know, it'll make you a better musician. So, like, I actually got to do this with him once. It was so much fun. Like, I would go up and I'd play, like, a trumpet riff, and it would suck, right? And he would give me some of the magic elixir, and he would put it in my mouth. It was actually a weed tincture, if I can give insider spoilers. Um, And uh, he would put some of it in my mouth, and I would play a riff, and it would be, like, pretty good, right? And then he'd put, like, a bunch of it in my mouth, and I would just shred as hard as I could. And the audience was like, oh, the snake oil works. Like, yeah, just super theatric, weird, folky, funky, weird, good stuff. Um, and they started internationally touring, and um, we we're hosting them. Uh, I, I started uh, with some peers out here, uh, a nonprofit organization for the arts, and we're hosting a Halloween festival together uh, that the Crux will actually be coming from California to headline. Well, how would you describe the music you create? <sighs> Awful. <laughs> but, but like, okay, but what he means, what he means is awful, like mm-hmm. A-W-E. It's mm-hmm. full of awe and wonder. That's what I said. Uh, we pull from a lot of stuff, and yeah. particularly with this pandemic and how the music industry has been changing, we're, we already broke paradigms. You know, we already jumped from Eastern Ukrainian, uh, Eastern Ukrainian folk music to like, New Orleans Delta Blues to, you know, uh-huh. like Pacific Northwestern swing rock type stuff. And like, you know, uh, some some good old stompy country bullshit, if I may say so. Uh-huh. Like we jumped genres, but all of it was within the paradigm of a mostly acoustic performance. And with this pandemic, we've really, we've been talking a lot more about pushing into a more electronic sound combined with our old folk ideas. Uh-huh. Um, sense baby sense sense baby beats drops but with dope melodies oh. you know like inspired from like a spread of world folk music is what i think we would hope for mix it all together it's a salad of sound do you have a particular creative process you use or do you just pull over the side of the road when you get a thought right before you forget it like i i do yeah, that's the process. Chaos. <laughs> um, you know, the Greeks had it right. We don't control when the muse strikes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, when it does, we, we write stuff on our own and bring it to each other and mold with it a little bit and argue for hours. It's it's good. <laughs> lovingly, yeah. lovingly. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's one of those things where the more cooks you get in the kitchen, the harder it gets. You uh, know? But if you have a good sous chef and if you have a good line cook, you know, and you got someone who really knows a dish pit, like... 
I think that this metaphor holds with our band. You know, Michael gives a lot of trust to the different instrumentalists that we bring on board to help sculpt the music. And that's a hard thing to do as a songwriter. I, I don't let people do that. I don't even fucking share my songs with Michael. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a, a lot of times I'll bring a, I'll write a song like from start to finish and I bring it to the table. And by the time the practice is over, it's a completely different song, but still I got the core of it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we changed some chords, we changed some rhythms. Suddenly it's Latin. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> maracas. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it definitely happens, though, especially like in the writing phase, you know, because when oh, we're wow. doing a show, we have to think, All right, we can afford this many bandmates, and it's probably four or less, mm-hmm. right? And we need to be able to consistently pull off sounds throughout our sets. And we play a lot of long shows. So, yeah. like, creatively, when we're writing a song, we're like, Oh, wouldn't this be sick as like a lo fi with maracas in the back? But on a stage, how are you supposed to do that? So we uh-huh. even will write multiple versions of the same songs with completely different instrumental attitudes. Just keeps but, changing on its own, I swear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, are, there are parts of the songs now we're realizing where we think the other person wrote it, and we don't, re- we don't know who did. Like, yeah. We're thinking some of the songs are taking um, a life of their own, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> especially, especially getting ready for this tour, I've been noticing that. Yeah. Where like a couple of times like we were rehearsing and being like, do we really need that part? And the other person was like, you suggested that part. That was you. And we're like, no. That part's trash. That should go out. Who put that there? Okay, well, good. Now it's gone. We don't need to do it that way. (laughs) Do you have a favorite show you've played? Oh, that's so tough. That is a good question. I know. That's why I like this question. (laughs) Can we we vary up this question? Can I ask you to be like a bit more specific? the show where I felt best about my playing or like the vibe in the room or like us as a band, like this, I don't, any, any might, of the above. For me, for me, it might be what comes to mind immediately is the, uh, these house shows that our friends would throw in where we're from in California, uh, at this oh, place God. called the orchard house. And pretty much every time we played the orchard house, it was a dance party, the mm-hmm. whole set, like not one person wasn't gigging in the room. It's the uh, only place where our band, and I think this happened more than once. It's funny that it's at the same place. Yeah. All of us got shirtless. That's right. It was just so because hot. it was so hot it in the room. So hot Everyone the was dancing time. so hard, just like um, waterfalls of sweat coming down our faces. We're like, nope, less clothing. Okay. Yeah. Those um, were really fun shows. Yeah. Like all time hot, mm-hmm. just high vibes the whole night. Everyone yeah. over enthusiastic. Maybe not good, like, money or business. I don't even remember how much merch we sold or whatever, but, like, that wasn't super what was important. Yeah. In the end, the ultimate goal. I, I think I think for a lot... Curated a memory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it did. It really curated a memory, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of people get into music because of popular media and because of popular rock and roll and just pop music. They get into it for fame. They get into it for attention. But, like, I really got into music for a family. I, I needed a peer group mm-hmm. to connect with. I needed people to think with and feel with. And music really opens the gateway for that. And everywhere I travel, I'm looking to make peers, you know? Not fans. Like, I want community oh. now, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that that's one of our greatest gifts as a band, is that that's what we're really trying to be about. Um, and house shows, through and through, have that energy. I've played, like, two yeah. bummer house shows out of a couple hundred at this point. That's true. Like, and honestly, like, I've been on big stages that had huge audiences, and it was cool, and it was flashy. But we it, can't, good. It, it can't really compete with, like, that intimacy. It can't compete mm-hmm. with that, like, familiarity of, like, looking into a crowd and everyone there is someone you, like, personally know. 
and they're all singing your words at you back at the top of their lungs like that. Yeah, that was one of the few shows where I actually stopped singing at a point, and And the crowd had taken the words, and I was like, they know, everybody knows the words. The look on your face was so sweet. Yeah, (laughs) I was more astonished than anything. Blown away. Um, Yeah, and that's why we keep coming back to Indiana and stuff, too. We're trying to create families like that over there and uh, everywhere we go. Anywhere you plant seeds, the more you come back, the more it's grown. You play Boy. Madison quite a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that time. Madison eats us up, and we eat up Madison. Yeah. Madison, Indiana is one of, like, the great hidden gems in this country. And I don't it even is. know why, because they're not trying to hide. Oh, no. Like, people just don't believe it <laughs> for some reason. They're like, no, there's no way that this, like, little town, like, age group primarily 40 to 60, 12,000 people on the Ohio River is just party zone. They don't believe it. They can't. And, you know, <laughs> everyone who comes out there is like, oh. I've seen 70-year-olds out there that party more than people have seen in this town. These right? college kids think they go hard. No, yeah, they no. can't keep up. Um, <laughs> you know, and they're such great proponents of the arts, too. They party for all the right reasons in Madison. You know, it's always for, like, music and painting and theater. And uh, um, in November, we're going to be back there playing a benefit uh, for the theater that they're trying to reopen. Yeah, um, I don't have the details on that. Oh, right <laughs> so you have to write it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw you taking the note. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> um, right. I think yeah. it just got moved to. It was going to be on September 11th, but they just moved it due to. Uh, I wonder why. Renovations in the theater. Oh, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the date being a. Okay, never mind. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> lovely is weather. It, yeah. <laughs> is that place maybe called the Red Bicycle? No, no, we do know the Red Bicycle. We've played there at Kevin's place. That's a great venue. Kevin. Um, and shout out to the Newly Deads, too. They're so much fun to play with. Talk about one of my favorite shows, playing with those guys. Uh, yeah. They're native to Louisville. Uh, if anyone watching is unfamiliar with them, they dress up as zombies and play rockabilly. And like they hang like plastic body parts from their music stands and stuff. It's a blast. It's good. Yeah, body parts. Well, here's, here's the counter question. What's your least favorite performance? Um, I mean, I went through just like a quick scroll. Like, there's the time I'm projectile vomiting against the wall of the Hot Monk mid song. Uh, there's the time I'm fainting off of the bandstand. There's right. the time that Amarillo PBS. Like, um, oh, geez. So, we had just started this tour and I had just gotten this electric upright bass, right? So, it's an upright bass and everything, but like a slim body and all that. Never used it before. Came like a week and a half late, so I didn't get to practice with it. Yeah. We're going to play our first show, and it's it's Panhandle PBS. It's being streamed, to my understanding, to 30,000 people. Well, we, think, right? we think that's where you got the, the song footage from. Which is great. I think so, because right. yeah, he was playing an electric right. upright. Well, hey, He's there you go. It's probably a, a sl- it's, it is a, it's, a, it's a slim body. I know yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Um, so what happened partway through that set that very important set where I'm playing on TV to arguably more people than I have played to before in my career put together, right? And the bridge on the bass just starts folding off. It's warping and bending and it can't handle the pressure. And my strings are detuning in opposite directions on TV on a non-fixed pitch instrument. So like Upright bass is slidey notes. Wherever you put your finger, it's like, it's not. It's the trombone of string instruments. Yeah, it's the trombone of string instruments. That's great. I just came up with that. Thanks. And so I'm just wildly, like, I was having acid flashbacks. 
You know, I was on some sort of deep hallucinogenic musical venture just because my bass is like folding out underneath. And I'm like, ah, how do notes work on TV? And I'm melting down internally. The pressure is crushing me. I'm just dying. And we finish the show and I go outside. I spark up a cigarette and I just start crying. Like, I can't handle it. I'm just like, I just murdered our band on TV and it's not even my fault. (laughs) And this one lady... This one just gem of a human being, Keitha, bless your heart. Keitha. She comes out and like everyone in the audience is like kind of on the older side and they're very reserved, sitting very still in their seats, very properly, trying not to sweat too hard. Very respectful. Very right. respectful. Right? Right? Overly so. Perfect TV audience. Uh-huh. Except for Keitha, who in her seat in the TV studio is just like getting down. <laughs> She's just partying to our music, right? And I'm like, okay, lady, yeah. If anything's going to get me through the show, it's you. Flash forward to me standing outside crying, having my cigarette. She comes out. She's crying. She's like, that was like one of the greatest shows. You like showed me something about how musical performance is supposed to be. Thank you so much for that. That is a gift that will stay with me. And I, uh, I just melted. I just absolutely melted, you know, like an iceberg in Phoenix, Arizona. Like, it just, my emotions all wrapped up, and I was so grateful to her. She was so kind, and, like, she just drew my attention back to, like, it's not about the specificity with which you play, right? It's not about how many notes you play. It's not about how hard you go. It's about, like, how you feel it, you know, and how you really get into it. And she could see how important my performance was to me, and that made it important to her. So, like, in giving her something, she gave me something from this terrible, terrible, terrible show. And that was, yeah, that was a special one. St. Louis was less special. You're going to go for St. It Louis. Was more of, I mean, I'll go brief synopsis. It wasn't 100% my fault, but I said uh, words that I've regretted several times saying uh, with this band, which is, let's do it. Uh, those words have been a curse. <laughs> if I say that with enough enthusiasm, the worst will happen. Yeah. Um, what happened is we had just finished playing a show in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, and we had gotten done at like midnight and we were all done with our load in at like 1am and, uh, our fiddle player Corwin had realized just then that they, the show we had the next day in St. Louis was not at 10pm. It was at 10am. Uh, was it was a brunch gig. It was a brunch gig. And we just didn't know about as we're wrapping up our show was, at midnight in Fort Wayne, many hours away. It was, yeah, it was like an eight-hour drive minimum, and this was, right, I don't know if you remember this two or three years ago, that there was a big polar vortex that came through. It was on its way. It hadn't hit Fort Wayne yet, but, like, if we were going to make this show, we had to leave right then, or we were going to get snowed in uh, there was not There was a blizzard happening, mind you. It just wasn't the polar vortex. We were driving through one blizzard because a super blizzard was yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, it was right on our ass. So we drove through the whole night. None of us could sleep because there was so much black ice everywhere. We drove past a trucker graveyard. I've never seen such a thing. Yeah, just but semi-trucks ripped in half. So many of them shooting out of them. Like eight. Like, we're like, turn sideways. This is a good choice. That's why one of them was upside down. It was nuts. Uh, yeah, we saw our life flash before our eyes. Like, we might not live yeah. through In this. eight-hour flash. We somehow made it uh, on time. <laughs> I think we might have been an hour late, but, like, we, we got there. We ate breakfast, all of us dying uh, of exhaustion. And we played through one set, and then I just had a meltdown, and I started crying, and I, I left, like, right after our light song. I just left out the, the building, and I, 
I didn't come back for the second set. Jan and Corwin kind of had a freak out, but they did it by myself. Where did Michael go? Yeah. We are I now here, sleep deprived, needed rattled to the core from nearly dying half a dozen times last night. Yeah. You know, like we have to get through this show, and our lead fucking singer isn't present. Pardon my French. Yeah. I don't know if this is a swearing podcast. Oh, it's really I, 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 Yeah. I just, I just uh, found a church and sat in the church for a while thinking about my life. Uh, you know, just having a good old meltdown, classic style. But weirdly enough, even though that felt like the worst gig for me, apparently there was a dude, right, right after I stormed out, this dude so came up to Jay and was like, that was one of the best works of art I've ever seen. Like, he thought the crying storming off was part of the song. Like, <laughs> it was a sad song. <laughs> the song, like the song was so ironic. It was so beautiful. It's, just, it's our song, The Line. The Line, yeah. Which is about, like, hating your boss and hating capitalism and hating the worker paradigm. Yeah. You know, like another day, another dollar, another nickel, another dime. You know, it's like how the chorus starts, right? And it's just gritty and sad. And Michael was just pure gravel in his voice. He could barely sing. He's playing like 30 BPM behind how we usually play it. Just dragging chains, this fucking song, right? And like at Corwin, the song's almost over and our fiddle player leans in. And what, what did they say? They said something like, could you sing better? They said something really. Could you mean. sing like you don't suck? Uh, yeah, like, it was something like that. Can yeah. you can you not suck? Yeah, like and uh, Michael just like doing everything that he could to just get through this set just melts me. down the hugest me. tears <laughs> and just storms off. And it's on this like work song, and here we are trapped in our work. Right? <laughs> and this dude comes up the second Michael's gone and was like, "That was fucking amazing." <laughs> Is that on your CD? I need that song. Stay tuned for part two.